Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! There was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Yay for Geek Top 5, not so much for quarantine, but we're all doing what we can, given the circumstances. Trying to find the silver linings. There you go, and that's us. <laughs> for the next 45 minutes for you, at least. <laughs> the rest of the time, big question mark. <laughs> Listen, we can't do everything for you, you gotta figure out some stuff. Huh? <laughs> In any case, uh, not doing lists today, we're gonna jump right into one of our Geek Deep Dives. Uh, we're all trapped inside and don't have a ton to do, so what better opportunity to sit back and watch Star Trek Picard? Yes, indeed. So that uh, premiered, uh, what, I guess 11, 12 weeks ago, and uh, there have been 10 weekly episodes, and it recently wrapped up. And, you know, as big Trekkies, we had a lot of thoughts on it. Yeah, spoiler alert right now. I mean, so first off, this hey, is that's not our catchphrase. Really it, yeah, it was back back in the good old days. <laughs> um, just a heads up, this won't really be so much of a review. Um, you can watch reviews for Picard wherever you go. We'll talk about that a bit. But mostly this is going to be stuff that people who love Jean-Luc Picard, um, not platonically, uh, <laughs> and, uh, what they think are very in-depth nitpicks and complaints about this show. So... Um, this I mean, might not we'll, be the podcast for you. We will also talk about uh, what we liked about it. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. I'm just saying that, like, you know, this isn't going to be the general, as far as film goes, I give this as 6.7 out of 9 right, right, due to right. its use of cinematography. Oh, yeah, you, that's not what we're listen, talking about. So I want to talk to 7 out of 9. I mean, it was right there. I mean, well, that's something we can talk about because <laughs> I don't know if the 7 and 9 in this show. Anyway, we'll circle back around to that. Anyway, I guess let's just get that out of the way. I mean, I think we can both agree. We both liked it. We both thought it was good. Um, maybe not great. Does that sound about right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel, I mean, you, you said we're not going to be, like, too uh, hoity-toity critical, but I do feel like a lot of the episodes of the writing was pretty weak, including, ah, I don't know. We should start at the beginning. I feel like it had a strong start. The first episode, I was into it. I, it was exciting. There was a mystery. I was on board. The whole mystery of who Dodge is and what her sister's up to and what's going on with the Borg cube and and this hot Romulan spy who's coming on to her and uh, the Romulan housekeepers that Picard had. And then it kind of just tread water. It definitely spent a few episodes not really going anywhere, which felt a little strange. Um, on rewatch, I think that works better when you're binging it than if you're watching it weekly. Okay. But even then, the pacing in the show, it started very slowly and just had a lot to say about nothing. And then it ended really, really fast-paced and exciting, but was pretty incoherent. Mm-hmm. Which is strange, because, I mean, the obvious parallel you want to draw is to Star Trek The Next Generation, where the pacing is so much slower um, than any television these days. But this, I think, because it was made in the style of a modern, you know, early 21st century television show, you felt the slowdown more? And I don't even think, I mean, maybe it's just because I know the episodes so well, but I don't, when I go back to Next Gen, I don't find the episodes that slow. I feel like they're generally well-paced and and you get the, all the bits of information that you need and, and you also get some character stuff, but the episodes are very well-paced for how they're built. I feel like, you know, original series feels a little slow, but Next Gen hasn't hit that point for me. I mean, that's true, but you compare it to television shows that air today where we've gotten used to a much more breakneck pace... Like, where everything is so quippy and so fast and so move, move, move. It's like everyone's doing an Aaron Sorkin walk all the time. Um, Next Gen definitely feels a little slower, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm not saying that it's too slow, but it's sort of a, you know, it's, it's, it's a glass of scotch at the end of the day rather than knocking back a beer. The other thing I'll say about this pacing, and it's a problem I'm finding more and more with all of these shows that are going to all to these streaming platforms where there's a set number of episodes to tell a story for the season and it's one story that's going to be going for the, every episode like the, for the whole run of the season is that a lot of the times it feels like there's 
more episodes than there is story. And so there's a lot of episodes where it just feels like things take a step back and, and not in a good way. It's just like it, we're just plodding along through the, the what little story there is in order to stretch it to fill the eight episodes or ten episodes or thirteen episodes. Um, I think actually, like I, I have my problems with Discovery, but I do find that Discovery is a bit better at having one-off episodes that still carry the momentum but are also well-contained stories just for that 50-minute time period. Whereas Picard, it felt like there was always one story going, but there was a lot of filler. And we'll, we'll get into that, but I found that with the Netflix Marvel shows too, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Iron Fist and Luke Cage, where they'd have these interesting starts and then it would just, it would be like a hammock, you know? It would be very tight at the ends and then just droop in the middle and sag and then get back to exciting stuff towards the end. Well, um, I can't argue with that. And on that note, I think you want to dig right into it. Uh, should we start at the top and work our way down to the small stuff or start with the small stuff and work our way back up? <laughs> I'll let you take the lead on this. All right, we're going top down. The So if you haven't caught it already, spoiler alert, because here we go. So everything that underlies the story in Star Trek Picard is this thing they call the admonition. The The key event to this to the plot of the show is that at some point in relatively ancient history, the Romulans found a Prothean beacon, uh, which is, I mean, <laughs> they don't call it that in Star Trek because that comes from Mass Effect, like the rest of this plot, but we can get back to that too. Um, but they find a psychic thing that essentially tells them that if you create synthetic life, it's going to summon these, like, synthetic life gods that are going to wipe out all organic life. And it started this secret society that is based on policing and hunting down synthetics to make sure that never happens. And apparently this warning is so traumatizing that it's caused this, like, cultural... I don't know what you want to call it, like a cultural contamination down through ages and ages and ages of Romulans. And it's always been there, and they've always been in the shadows so well that we've never seen any indication of this in any Star Trek product before. Uh, but over the course of the show, it does things like it has Starfleet officers essentially commit murder. Uh, most interestingly, it has the innocent sort of Tilly character straight up murder a dude. So um, just to be clear, the, Tilly is a reference to Star Trek Discovery, and there's a character... Oh, God, people listening to the <laughs> Geek Top 5 talking about Star Trek Picard are fairly familiar with Star Trek Discovery. I, my only point is that one of the things that I have heard as a positive about our show is that we don't get too arcane. We like to explain the, the weirder <laughs> Fair details. Enough. All right. Anyway, the, the innocent character, the audience's eyes... Um, gets exposed to this admonition and basically murders her husband in his hospital bed. And when stuff like that happened, like what the, the nature of the admonition is remains hidden until one of the last episodes. And I said to our fellow geeks, if this secret isn't a big deal, it's not going to justify any of this character behavior and it's going to fall flat. And I think that's exactly what happened. I think the um, other problem with it is because it's it didn't quite work as like this mind-blowing revelation is that they should have revealed it at the beginning of the series so you had some idea of why people were doing what they were doing having that only get revealed towards the end of the series and like what is it the second last episode third last episode where a lot of this gets revealed it just felt like oh that was the big mystery that and it doesn't feel like it satisfactorily explains a lot of the stuff that came before Right, but that's, I mean, this is the same thing that happened famously with Lost, right? I mean, the whole show is about the mystery. It's just that the mystery turned out to be garbage. But if the mystery like... turned out to be awesome, then it would, totally would have been okay. Fair enough, but I don't even think, like, the show, like, like Lost hinged on the mystery. The whole series was like, there's a mystery, and oh, it's a mystery. The, what a big mystery this is. I just didn't feel the same compelling thing with this. I was like... Picard, the, the point of the show from the beginning seemed to be like Picard getting back in the saddle and fixing these things that he screwed up off screen. And then all of a sudden at the end, oh, and like he wants to save Data's daughter who's under threat. And then at the end of the series, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's also these other AI creatures that are dangerous and we have to stop them. Yeah, tentacle AI creatures at that. Very yeah. It, again, just as an aside, this is exactly Mass Effect who did it 
12 years ago, 13, like right down to Mass Effect super synthetic gods, the Reapers, who even had the same tentacle things. Like, it's just, it, it's so, so, so carbon copy that it can't even be a coincidence, and that's going to bug me for a little bit. We don't have to go into it anymore. I just want it stated there for the record. Any case, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like the, I think the, a lot of the show was hinged around what the heck is going on, and there was no payoff to that, and it didn't really seem to affect anything. And that's sort of what I feel like hurts this show the most. Um, and again, it's important to note. Like I really enjoyed seeing Patrick Stewart's Captain Picard again. I mostly enjoyed a lot of the other characters on the show. I, I don't feel like my time was wasted. You know, this isn't Game of Thrones season eight. Right, but the but the the big payoff we were promised wasn't there, and because of it, everything else sort of felt more flat than it needed to be. And I think that's the one thing that really kicks this in the pants. Everything else is just sort of a symptom of that. The other thing that I think held up really well on this show, and and it goes back to you saying that you know it was great seeing Patrick Stewart back on screen again in this role, was that every time they brought back one of the old characters, it was so good. The best episodes of the series all have the old characters in it. The Easily. First, the first episode with Data was great, and all the scenes with Data. Like, I was troubled in seeing the trailers where he didn't look quite right, and, and he, he they the special effects weren't done, but once I saw the performance, I was like, I don't care how he looks. The performance is right, and I am on board for this. Yeah, by far the best moment of the show happens in the last episode with that conversation between Picard and Data. My heart grew three sizes that day. Yeah. Um, Everything this show did that bothered me was totally worth it to get there. I 100% agree. Like, I I was going into that last episode, I was like, oh, this show is so-so, and I don't think it's going to pay off the way I'd like it to. But even with all the crazy stuff that I didn't like in that last episode, the scene with Data and Picard, and even the scene with Riker, were so good that it it crushed all my other problems with it. And I was like, I can just live in those moments, and it was worth it. Yeah, and it's difficult for me to separate. Like, is that because it was really such a good scene, or is it just because I've loved these characters my entire life? And I'm so happy to see them again. I am not going to out this person, but there's a a colleague of mine who is not a big Trekkie, but decided to watch this series. And he texted me a couple of days ago saying he'd finally watched the last episode, and it brought him to tears. Oh, okay. There you go. Then it was brilliant. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, absolutely no like see, data was great seeing starfleet riker again was great hanging out at the rikers in their house was great seriously Even that was the- that was my second favorite episode uh, and there's there's problems with that too but man everything with riker and troy felt right and i i kind of think it was the best troy has been written maybe ever Yes, for sure. I mean, a lot of Troy, you know, writing writing a woman on television in the late 80s, early 90s, they didn't do her and Dr. Crusher a great service. You know, like, it's just, it wasn't happening back then. Yeah. She's so much more of a character now, even though she's only in that one episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a joy. Yeah, but when I think about that, sometimes I think maybe there were missed opportunities to bring some of the other people back, but I'm a little conflicted, too, because... As much as it would have been great to have Dr. Crusher be the one to tell Picard that he's got that brain problem and blah, 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 it also might have felt like a waste of of a cameo for for, uh, Gates McFadden. I know what you mean, but I can see it going either way. It's a tough call. Yeah. There would have um, but yeah, that but, scene would have held more impact instead of being like, "Oh, you're my old friend from Star the Stargazer. You're the doctor from there and we have this great bond." And meanwhile, the audience is like, "I've never heard of this person before. He means yeah. nothing to me." Having it be Dr. Crusher might have carried more weight. But then you would have felt like, "Well, what happened to Dr. Crusher for the rest of the show?" Yeah. Which, I mean, let's, I mean, something to mention, like, way on the small side, but, like, I felt that way about the Romulan housekeepers. Yes, like, yes. They're, they were great, and then he leaves, and they don't come back on the show anymore. It's, for the love of God, they were awesome. That's and a- they're, like, the, the way they play off each other, like, the relationships between those three characters said so much. It was a huge waste of potential. Yeah, and that's what made it feel like there was more filler in the show than there needed to be. It's like, 
why introduce those cool characters if they're going to be in three episodes and then just replace them with other characters who are fine, but maybe not quite as good as those people seemed? Like, I liked Raffi, and she had a good uh, role on the show. Rios was, was fine, too. But you had these two characters that, that meshed so well, and it there felt like a weight of history with them. And just bring them along instead. Have the story revolve around them and, and Picard. Sure. For sure. Um, emphasis, I think, on Elnor, who was a character who was a good character, but had absolutely nothing to do in the show. I mean, um, I think you could say the same thing as Seven of Nine. Like, again, I'm not a big Voyager fan, but Seven of Nine was a great character, and they bring her on this show, and she had... she, All of the stuff to do with her felt contrived. Yeah, and maybe that's a good segue into our next big thing, is that why were the Borg in this show? And I mean... The, like, the obvious answer you're going to say is, well, because Picard's character is hugely involved with the Borg. Everything out of Best of Both Worlds and then carried through First Contact is a huge part of who that character is. But they didn't do anything with the Borg. Like, if you take the Borg out of the story of Star Trek Picard, the story doesn't change at all. And so going back to what you were talking about with having a contrivance, like, I felt almost... Not insulted, but I was, I was I just I felt extremely disappointed that this seemed to be carrying along the Voyager torch of taking the Borg and making them dumb. Yeah. And I felt hugely disappointed by that. The end of the first episode is, oh my god, they're on a recovered Borg cube. And that's that's it. The other thing is if like you work backwards from the revelation and the thing about how there's this these AI monsters that are going to come through and the there's a planet full of androids that are trying to summon it. And then you say, oh, and the Borg are going to be in it too. You're like, oh, that makes sense. Half synthetic, half robot. They're going to, it makes perfect sense. Nothing. They don't do anything with it. There's no yeah. connection with the Borg and the admonition at all. At all. And it's it's never even spelled out well enough for us, but it's laid out enough to imply that the whole reason that cube gets shut down in the first place is because they assimilated Romulans who knew about this admonition. And I guess it was so traumatic that it cut the cube off from its collective. But, it, like, wouldn't the Borg be jazzed for this? Like, this is everything they want, is this perfect synthetic life. That's everything the Borg are for. You could argue, though, that, that what drove it crazy wasn't necessarily the information and the admonition itself, but just the fact that they assimilated such a crazy person that it made everyone crazy. I don't know if I buy that. Well, it's like Maybe. how, isn't, isn't that what happened with Hugh and, and his Borg cube? He brought back some individuality and it infected his cube. Isn't that part of the plot of the Descent? I mean, individuality like compared to this admonition thing? I, it's a tough call. But you know what? It is, it, it is a sci-fi gray area. Yeah. So I, yeah, you could take a bit of admonition and just way. think of it as crazy. Yeah, they assimilated some crazy and it broke their ship. But that was about it. And again, from talking with our larger group of geeks, like it was suggested, well, the reason the Borg were in the show was to give a good reason to have Seven of Nine back. Yeah. But then that's a circular argument because Seven of Nine didn't really contribute anything either. So why did they want her back? I mean, eye candy, just like why they brought her into Voyager. And, and hopefully, just like with Voyager, she'll end up proving her that she's more than that in future seasons. But for now, it just felt forced. And while we're on the topic of Seven, in the, at the, very, in the epilogue of the last episode, there's a shot of her and Raffi making eyes oh, at each yeah. other and holding hands. And it just felt like, where did this come from? And why is it here? Other than to just check off a box of like we're uh, showing off some progressivism like oh finally a uh, main character on Star Trek who's gay or at least not straight and it's yeah, like it, everything about that last scene maybe we need to come back to that because we need to talk more about the yeah. upcoming season two but everything about that scene seemed extremely forced um, and I think it may have to do with the fact that they weren't sure if they were going to get a season two when they wrote this but let's, I hope let's, so let's, Let's touch on that a little bit later. Um, I don't want to get off the topic of the too far off the topic of the Borg because it just with Picard in the loop and like you said, like with these you know giant synthetics in the loop, it seemed like there was so much room for plot development for it to go. But if you take away everything and just see what did they add to the show, the only thing I think the Borg are there for is to have that long range transporter. 
Yeah, but I feel like there's a million ways you could sci-fi that too. Like there's there's plenty of scenes where they're flying on the La Serena, the ship that is the the main the, the main vehicle on the show, where they're like, oh, you know, weeks have gone by since the last episode, and and we're X distance further, and it's like, well, you could have just sci-fied that or just hand waved how much how long how much time has passed uh yeah time and distance and warp speed in space is pretty variable it, it works however the writers want yeah instead they so they had the borg for it and they made this weird super obscure callback to season one of voyager which one in a thousand people would get right nobody like nobody cares about <laughs> it seemed very odd but it's just i'm so it's not even that, the, I guess, that they were done terribly, but I was disappointed because there was so much potential. Right up to the dramatic moment where Seven reconnects herself to the cube, and we are Borg, and you're like, okay, now shit's gonna pop off, and now they just jump them all into space. And and then she disconnects. It's like, there's all this drama of her reconnecting and becoming this Borg queen, and she's like, oh, the some of the Borg won't want to become individuals again, and I may not want to be an individual again. And then she disconnects, and everything's fine. Yeah. And then again, I think in the very next episode, it opens where, like, there's a space battle happening, and surprise, the Borg cube is fixed, and it's here, and oh god, the Borg... Oh, no, cube crashes. Right. Just lots of build-up for cool potential that doesn't pay off, doesn't go anywhere. Even Borg blue balls. (laughs) Even having Hugh back, it's like... He, he, they brought him back, and he had a role in the show more than most of the people who got brought back, but for what? Like, why did that have to be Hugh? Yeah, why did it? Yeah, it didn't have to be the Borg at all. The story doesn't change if instead of some crazy Borg cube, it's just like a science place. And that's the same thing with the Jat Vash. It's like the the Tal Shiar, the super secret Romulan police, and there's a super super secret group beyond them. And it's like, just make it the Tal Shiar. Like, why why complicate it? So no need to gild the lily. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, you, you don't need to have ninjas and super secret ninjas. I mean, speaking of gilding the lily, it was the same thing I felt getting back to Troy and Riker. They were on this planet because their son was sick and he ended up dying of this sickness. But they also have to make him a super genius. Like, isn't it enough just to have him be a sick kid who's dying? I, that I, It's a really minor thing, and it doesn't ultimately mean anything. But making him a super genius adds nothing to the show and just makes it, it feel less relatable. I don't, I don't know. I fought you on that one. It's, you did. I mean, I don't know that I mean, I don't know that it's super genius so much as it's just that he was a freaking weird kid. But on the whole, I think it was important for them to add some detail. Like you needed to know something about their kid's life because that whole episode was essentially like that these characters the whole point of that episode was that these characters have had a life in the last 20 years and having detail to that child i think was important like so you have meat there i don't know how else to put it like if it was just like oh yeah we had a kid and he died it would have been like well what you're turning me on it yeah um they had a weird kid at least and he died and it was sad and it to me that created a sort of like it, it, it was so it contributed so powerfully to the world building that like they've had good times they've had bad times you know, there wasn't like there wasn't a heavy there wasn't a happily ever after after nemesis like stuff mm-hmm. has kept happening and I, I appreciated that window into into I forget his name they do name him Thad Thad it's Thad yeah okay. Thaddeus named after old Thaddeus I think Iron Heels Riker who was mentioned once as a distant relative in the Voyager episode that Riker was in <laughs> okay fair enough <laughs> and uh, and the girl was Kestra named after Troy's yeah, Troy's sister which was yeah. a nice touch too that was that was yeah that was adorable not a, not the best episode of next generation but it's it's cool that they kept all that stuff in mind mm-hmm so speaking of characters whose names I, I didn't bother to remember, um, important note, why was Nerissa in the show, the Romulan spy sister? I feel like ultimately the only reason she was there was to serve as an exposition machine. She was yeah, there. Yeah, she gave, she gave Narek someone to talk to, I guess? Yeah, and gave O someone to talk to to reveal that she was evil. But I, I kind of think that it wouldn't have really fit the logic of the show that well. But if you just take her out and have O communicating directly with Narek, 
solves That's the problem. exactly what I was going to say. We are great minds thinking alike. <laughs> I think that would have worked perfectly. Like yeah. We are, o, o is a sinister bad guy. Like she's she's got a whole Emperor Palpatine vibe oh, going on. That was super fine. evil sunglasses. Yeah. God, yeah, I can't. <laughs> we could probably do an entire episode just ripping on those sunglasses because we hated uh, them so much. Stupid sunglasses. <laughs> Freaking! It's the 25th century, and you have this half alien, half other alien show up wearing Ray Bans. Yeah, just for no reason. Ah, like I'm pretty sure both Romulus and Vulcan are super sunny, super hot planets. She doesn't. It it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in terms of the plot and like like the Star Trek universe, and it also doesn't make sense in terms of like set casting and dressing, like costumes. Yeah, right. The head of Starfleet security, who's secretly a Romulan operative, isn't wearing Ray Bans. Right. Somebody, somebody, tell what's his name, Chabon. Well, I think he's done with the show now. I don't think he's coming back for season two. Well, somebody tell somebody. In any case, that's a minor thing. I don't want to harp too much on it. Fair enough. It's not that minor, but it's a minor thing. But yeah, she could have filled the role. The only thing the sister was there for was to provide exposition to Narek. And they did it in a way that was, frankly, a little uncomfortable. Like, were they intentionally going for those Lannister vibes? Is that what was going on? They had to be. It was too pronounced for it to be an accident. And it was unnecessary. It added nothing. It went nowhere. Yeah, it, it's never investigated. It's never talked about. It's just that this brother and sister have a weirdly Is it, physical relationship. But it's like it makes them. I guess it adds to their evilness. But to what end? Like, like it. It changes nothing if they're not. If they yeah, just it have was, a sibling it, relationship, it makes them more it, sympathetic. Which is what Narek ends up needing to be by the end of the show. If they just have a normal antagonistic sibling relationship that if anything that would make them more real like yeah. from over the course of that show they were so over the top villains like they're already dressed head to toe in black and there's plenty of yes we will get them soon like all they needed was a like a venture brothers guild of calamitous intent cackle mm-hmm. to really push it over like they were practically lord zed is what I'm getting at. Like, we, it was very clear these were villains. We didn't need any subtle motivations. Right. And I think I think taking Narissa out of it and leaving just Narek, it makes it more ambiguous. Because he, was, he wasn't great, especially the terrible romance scenes with Soji, but he, it became exponentially worse when he was with her. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that the, all the scenes with her were purely for talking to the audience, which is part of the problem. They never seemed to relate to each other like characters. Right. He he related to Soji like she was a character. Like, I didn't like it. I didn't think the performance was great. I didn't understand why it worked. But it was still characters. Nerissa was just there for, so here's what happened in today's episode. And then, like, they kill her, but she survives, and they kill her again, but she survives, and it's like, for the love of... And we still don't know for sure that she's dead. We still haven't seen a body. Yeah, I mean, if if she somehow comes back next season in control of the Borg Cube, I'm not going to be thrilled about it, but it'll at least justify why they had that Borg Cube in there in the first season. Yeah, but that would be the worst way to do it. I guess. Good heavens. <laughs> would it be better for there to have been no reason for it? I mean, I think it would be better if they have Seven in charge of the Borg Cube, which seemed to be where it was going. Yeah, but, but now... Sh- yeah, she- huge right turn. Okay, well, I just want to talk about Jurati and um, and Rios a bit, uh, because we haven't touched on those characters at all, and they're in the show more than anyone except for maybe Picard and Raffi. We haven't even talked about Raffi that much. So let's start with Jurati. She's she's there to be the Tilly character. She's sort of a quirky, funny one who's the point of view of the audience. She's asking all the questions so that the other characters can explain what's going on. And she serves that role well. And, and I think she does a better job than Tilly because I, I didn't find her as annoying as I find Tilly. And she actually... S- <sighs> Tilly serves a purpose, too. Anyway, I just didn't find her that annoying. But then... She turns out to be a sleeper agent because O did her Vulcan mind meld crazy thing to her. And she kills Maddox and everyone's upset about it. And then she kind of goes away. Yeah, it goes away. She's she's redeemed, but there's like no consequences to her actions. She she throws and up. When, and when was she redeemed? What did she do to redeem herself? She broke Picard out at the end. She helped him figure out how to do the new Picard maneuver. Sort of? Sort of. 
like I, I don't know. I, I don't know that there was any redemption. I think they just decided collectively to move on. I I wonder if we're supposed to be under the impression that like she wasn't like acting under her own influence. Like if the the mind meld influenced her, and so that's like a get out of jail free card. I I think you might be right on that except that they don't make that clear enough and it feels it like like because that's not clear i don't forgive her you know it's it doesn't yeah. feel like she and it's weird that the characters forgive her yeah like like picard especially like he's betrayed when he finds out what she did and then he's fine again yeah and that's the other thing like having it be Maddox, it's a character that we are familiar with, granted from one episode of Next Generation, but it's still it's a big deal. It's not just some random red shirt that she killed. It was a guy who was important to the plot, who was her husband essentially. They had a relationship. They baked cookies together and and she just murders him. And the, the other thing, again, this is sort of minor nitpicky sort of stuff, but she turns off the the EMH when it tries to stop her, and then the EMH is never consulted about what happened to him. Like they, he only reveals the information that she turned him off, and she's probably the one that killed him when she starts having a seizure or whatever, and he has to be activated for that. Like he never. Yeah, I think- I think the takeaway there is that he wasn't activated in the meantime. Like, she switches him off, and he doesn't get turned back on until she doses herself. But so I they, agree that that strains credibility a little. Yeah, there's a corpse in, in the the sick bay, and they're never like, hey, EMH, what happened? Right. I, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and that was, I think, the biggest hole in her character. Like, as otherwise, I really believed her character. It was like, the wow, this is space character. Like, I... I thought she portrayed that really well, and then the twist when she kills him, like, that was a really cool twist. That's a cool way to end the episode, but not having anything happen after, like, just, it was too severe to run away with. And not having any of the characters suspect her in any way, or realize that she's acting weird, it made me find them dumber. Yeah, yeah, we were all suspicious of what was going on with her. Yeah, I mean, and and to have... To have Rio start suspecting Raffi of having something to do with it before he suspects her, it just felt like, I this character is too dumb. Why should I trust him with anything? Like, why should I like this guy? He's not competent. Now, to be fair, I mean, maybe that's a good segue and to start talking about Raffi, because if there's anyone on that ship you're going to expect to fuck up, <laughs> it's it's definitely Raffi. Um, th- this this took me a little bit to get accustomed to. This is the Star Trek Gene Roddenberry Paradise World, and this is a, this character is an homeless alcoholic drug addict. Yeah, which is especially weird because of her. She was this decorated Starfleet officer. Uh, I don't. I never fully understood why she got kicked out of Starfleet when when Picard did, or why Picard abandoned her, seemingly abandoned her. I mean, I guess we're like we're she like we're introduced to her that she's a big conspiracy theorist, and apparently this like tore apart her family and stuff. So presumably she was cashiered because she kept making noise about the about the ban and the attack on Mars. Like that that follows for me, but you're right; it's not made directly clear. Yeah. Um, the other thing about her her family, there's that the episode where they go to the planet, and she has that interaction with her son, and there's no development from that either like they it felt like they had to give her a reason to go on the ship the la serena and and team up with picard again and then when that reason doesn't pay off for her she just goes along with the rest of the mission because she has nothing better to do and it's like just have her be interested in doing the mission like throwing this whole awkward encounter with her son that doesn't pay off in any way later on just felt, if, especially looking back on it, it feels so empty and hollow. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess because there's a season two coming, we can see how that's going to change. But yeah, I definitely, that was like the end of her character development. And then towards the end, like once we get into the conclave of eight and all that jazz, like we see her get engaged again by like playing into her conspiracy theory, essentially. But until then, she's just sort of there, and I don't know, maybe that's okay because she's an alcoholic and a drug addict, like she's just moping on the ship. Maybe that's believable? I, I'm not sure. I, I did like her when they weren't trying to force story on her that didn't add anything to it. I thought her 
her trying to figure out what was going on with Rios. I thought that was great. Her scene with all the, the holograms trying to figure out what the problem was. She had good moments. And I just mm-hmm. didn't think... I don't know. I don't think they used her to her full potential at the beginning. Yeah, no, for, that's fair. So speaking of the holograms, uh, Rios, um, completely overshadowed by his holograms. So should we consider those separate characters? Because they were all a blast. That's that's fair. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about Rios on his own for for now. Uh, he's he's an interesting guy too. A guy this sort of tropey character, like he fits this Han Solo, uh, Indiana Jones, reluctant uh, hero vibe, and he pulls it off pretty well. He manages to get away from the stereotype enough that I enjoyed his character, despite being able to see all the the stereotypes dangling off him. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Again, there are weird problems with it. Like, he hooks up with Agnes, and when she's having one of her, like, crazy spells, then it's revealed that she killed Maddox, and then they're still making goo-goo eyes on her. And that was one thing where I was like, wow, again, I I don't understand this guy. Like, this woman has murdered her last boyfriend. Maybe take a step back and get to know her a bit better before you decide to keep going with this. You're saying that's a red flag in a relationship? I I would say a a small one, at least. (laughs) Some people like to live dangerously. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No, you're right. That was a little strange. But yeah, on the whole, for the character that he played, even though it was sort of a stock sci-fi character, I, I thought he played it pretty well. And seeing his personality reflected in the holograms he's created. And like, no, I mean, they get, if anything, it was a little on the nose when they have Rafi sort of bring them all together for the intervention. But talking to the holograms and realizing that these are all subsets of his personality that he's burying underneath his own tough guy thing. I found that really compelling, actually. I really liked that as a, the, like a way to examine that character. Um, and I appreciated his performance of it. Like, the actor did that in such a great way that uh, yeah. even though it's the same guy playing them all, like, towards the end of the show, I could tell, like, oh, yeah, okay, that's the EMH one. You know, like, I could, I knew who he was. Right. I feel like uh, some of the accents could have used some work, but, you know, that's, again, minor nitpicky I, stuff. If anything, I feel like that, no, I like <laughs> that the accents are bad. Like, get, <laughs> I think that's part of the characters. Like, giving the engineering hologram the terrible Scottish Scotty accent, that's perfect. That's inspired. That's exactly how he should have spoken. Fair enough. Uh, But, yeah, I think they were great. If anything, they were underused. I would have liked to see more of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I very much hope they're going to be back for season two. So the the one other thing I want to touch touch on, which may spin off into a further conversation about the replicants or the synths or whatever we're calling them, he gets triggered when he sees Soji because she looks so much like this android he met in a previous mission, his last mission with Starfleet. Why did Soji and Dodge look like? Uh, God, I wrote down their names. Uh, the the girl the the android that he met was Flower I think I think Flower was the guy who was killed or oh, the okay. guy android ah, I wrote it down it's that important part it's of the podcast not thing. Jana but, and Sutra there you go well apparently the, there's only so many models the synths that they were making right I like, guess all, like all, all the the carbon copy ones on Mars were just like a basic. You know, sort of the, like, you start up a video game and you go with the default character and you get the bald white guy. Well, they didn't all look like that. Yeah, the ones on Mars? I don't think there were any oh, distinct faces. the ones faces. on Mars. Yeah, yeah, that's Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think there's probably only so many, you know, templates that they had. So we've got four or five characters now who sort of have the same Data's daughter face. Okay. And, of course, that's the one that Maddox is trying to perfect because that's the one that Data painted back in the day. So I can understand him wanting to keep refining that look. Okay, so here's here's a question for you that, again, the show never addresses. Why was there no mention of LOL? Like, how do you do this whole thing about Data wanting a daughter and never talk about LOL? And why did Data paint that painting and call it daughter or whatever and ha- not have it be LOL's face? I mean, whether, whether or not it was LOL's face, I mean, that could be... Like, I could answer that with timing. Maybe he painted it before he made LOL. Who knows? Um... I would say that at the end, it's not an important part of the, like, 
saying that Data did try to create a daughter and it didn't work doesn't add that much to the plot as opposed to just Data wanted a daughter. Like, you're not really getting more useful information. But they threw all kinds of information we didn't need into this. Like, the reference to that species from Voyager that made the long-range teleporter. Yeah. So I don't know. And, it, and it's, all the stuff about how the synths and the androids are so important and the Jat Vosh are trying to kill them and all, all this stuff and, and the Eric Soong or whatever the hell his name is, Iago Soong on the, the android planet. There's all this... Alton, I think. Whatever. Um, but there's... Well, they they don't mention law. They don't mention lore. These are all things that you'd think would be important. And maybe, like, even to help explain the whole twin thing, be like, oh, well, data looked like lore because they were created with the same twinning fractal thingamajigger. And then it would yeah. be like... although. Although when you mentioned the Zatvaj, maybe that answers your question, and they didn't want to draw attention to the fact that there have been synths this whole time, and we haven't heard of any super-secret Romulan police... Who also were conspiring with Starfleet, by the way, like um, Rios's previous captain. Like, is this, maybe mentioning those characters would really draw attention to the fact that they pulled this whole Jatfage thing out of their collective asses. <laughs> yeah, it just to me they felt noticeable for their absence. No, that's fair. I was really hoping that Alton Alton Singh would soon Alton Soong would turn out to be lore that because be he was really cool. That would have been really cool, and it would have explained his motivations a lot better, and it wouldn't have, well, it would have explained why, oh, there's another Soong Doctor? Why haven't we heard of this before? Yeah. It seems like that would have wrapped up a lot of that really quickly. On Next Gen, we met, uh, we did meet Soong. We met his father. Great, 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 great. Yeah, we met Soong in Next Generation, who created Data. Yeah. And we met his great, great, great ancestor in Enterprise. Right. We met an Uh, android who thought she was Soong's wife. Like, all these connections to to Soong, and none of them mentioned that Soong had a son? Yeah, well, because he didn't in Next Generation. They invented him for these two episodes. Um, Some little things that I just want to get to that I don't think are worthy of discussion, but just like to just make sure that, you know, we're, we noted, we're paying attention. Um, the synthetic tool, the plot device, yeah, was incredibly lazy writing. I, it just, oh, it, it uses your imagination and does whatever it needs to. I mean, like, listen, you live in a world with replicators. You can say it's a high-powered replicator and it can make you a tool. Like, yeah. That, they needed those few extra lines and a bit of a redesign of the device. Instead, it's a sonic screwdriver. I, I just... That that really bugged me. That that was for Star Trek, which usually goes to a fair amount of effort to justify its sci-fi tech. That bugged me. That is very fair. Um, what else did I have on my minor nitpicks list? Uh, I was disappointed in the design of the Romulan ships. A lot of the Romulan ships are gorgeous, and the ones this time around are kind of a letdown. I guess it's true of the Starfleet ships too, although we don't get a chance to look at them for very long. So maybe that's why they didn't want to. You spend I, too much of the budget on there. I, because you're such a ship guy, I thought your number one complaint would be the fact that we see this Starfleet fleet of ships show up, and they're all identical. They're all just like yeah, copy and paste of the same ship. Whereas on Deep Space Nine, when the fleet showed up, you'd see, you know, Akira class and Galaxy class and Excelsior class, and there would be a mix of different ships, and it made it that much more powerful an image. Yeah, it's all the all the, and all those ships are kind of characters in their own way. We recognize them all by this point. Star Trek's been around for a while. Having just a fleet of these almost perfectly identical ships, that was, that was kind of a letdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's in there again. That's not a big complaint for the show compared to the other stuff we're talking about. But that was kind of meh. Um, and I also just yeah, one more nitpick before we get onto the final thing. They they spent so much effort on Picard's chateau. And clearly they knew it, because for the first few episodes, they had them recreated on the holodeck of the ship. Yeah. And I liked it. I did. And I like what that says about Picard. Like, for the like the early Star Trek Picard, Picard is still kind of hiding. Even when he's out in space, he's uncomfortable. So he's hiding in his chateau in the holodeck. And, like, him moving away from it. Like, I get how that symbolizes his character growth. But I feel like that was time poorly spent. Like in the same way those first few episodes were too slow because they didn't accomplish anything, I think that the, putting all that effort into it and making it such a real place, such a real breathing place, and then you just forget about it and who cares, and we're supposed to instead be affixed to the interior of La Sirena, which is incredibly uninteresting. Yeah. And I was disappointed in that. 
I would say maybe they did that as a red herring for the trailers, because in the trailers you see Seven show up at the Chateau, and so when they left Earth, I was like, oh, well, they must end up back there at some point because Seven meets up with Picard there, and then they had the holodeck thing and be like, oh, well, then I guess they don't have to go back to Earth. I mean, you'd, you'd spend that much money on set design for a to, for a fool in the trailers? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I look, it's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, this, yeah, so there's, there's a lot more I want to get into. I, I wish we saw Picard on the bridge of a Starfleet ship instead of their discount Millennium Falcon. There's there's lots of stuff, but what I, we're, we are a little pressed for time. So what I want to end on is Picard's death at the end of the show. I think was very well done. I thought it was a really great cap to the character. And then I think that everything else that happened after that was incredibly hastily written after the show got renewed. I feel like these 10 episodes make a complete story. I think if Not it Not a ends, great story, but a complete one. No, but a complete one. And frankly, and honestly, Picard's arc, I, I was really into that. Like, you know, like having, having him come back for this for one last mission and the way he goes out, basically laying down his life to prove to the synthetics that, you know, that, that, that there can be peace, that like, there's a respect for life that's important. I believe that out for that character. In, and then they even do the, like, let's watch everybody cry and talk about what they liked about him. And then bring him back in a robot body. And then everyone's happy and working together on the on the ship now. And even Soji's coming along because... And Seven. She just, yeah, and Seven of Nine for some reason. And she and Rafi have a thing. Like, all of that seemed like... The, I feel like they wrote it as a self-contained story. And I feel, I mean, I can't judge because I don't know what season two is. But I thought all those little like hooks at the end were incredibly sloppily done. And I don't know how I feel about it. I've been thinking to myself a lot if I would be happier if Picard just died and it ended and that was it. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, I, I agree that all the stuff with the robot body was really sloppy, especially when they're like, you're a robot now. The only thing that's changed, though, is that you you don't have your, your robotic syndrome, even though we never call it that, And and but you're going to live the same amount of time, and... I don't. I, is he super strong? I think they specifically said he's not, right? They specifically say he's not super strong. Yeah. He doesn't have any of the cool synth stuff that so, that Dodge and Soji do. So you're still a frail old man, and you're still gonna die in in what fifteen to twenty years. So so don't worry about it. You're a robot, but we will never mention it again because it doesn't matter. It and just, it doesn't make a ton of sense. It doesn't bear close inspection. Yeah, but you're right. I. I don't think I would want him to die, I'll be honest. I, I Well, because you think it would be poor for the story, or just because like you would be hurt emotionally? I don't know how to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I felt... I Look, if it was going to be Picard and Data dying, I don't think that's great. I think having Data be the one that gets the final proper send-off was a good way to do it. So if you're going to kill... I'd rather have it be him than both of them, but if mm. if you kill Picard, then Data lives somehow. I I don't know. It's a tough one. Something to think about, I suppose. What do you want to see in a second season? Oh, I'm not even I'm not even touching on that yet. Um, I would say I'd like to see more of a coherent story. I guess um, I'd yeah. like it to make more sense. I'd like it to be more rooted in Star Trek than in just you know sci-fi lifted from other sources. I, just, I want to see Starfleet again. I, I don't want to see people, you know, a scrappy band of, you know, vets flying around on a firefly. I, so you, I, I have a show for that. You don't want it to be the Fenris Rangers show? No, no. I want I want it to be Star Trek. I want it to be Discovery Season 2. Right. right? I, want, I want Picard sitting there like Captain Pike sits there on, on a Starfleet ship doing Star Trek stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that, too. Um knowing that we're not really going to get that I'm content with it being on a ship and it'll be con- ideally contained to the ship for the most part them going on some adventures and now all of the groundwork is set and we can learn more about the characters while they go on an adventure or multiple smaller adventures and get to know each other better and build those characters um, I apparently Whoopi Goldberg's coming back as Guinan in some form and I think that'll be great and Man, I hope they bring back Q. It would have made a lot of sense to have Q show up at the end. 
I agree. I'm just just because his character has that relationship to Guinan is what is what yeah, that, that, that thought train went. It would be interesting if they finally resolved what that conflict was about between the two of them, since it was on Next Gen. It was always like, oh, we hate each other from the past, but we'll never explain why. And um, the, with the, with the, the hands up, with the yeah. claws. <laughs> uh, so that would be that would be interesting, but I feel like Q isn't the right tone for this show. But then again, I'm sure they could find a way to make it work. What I would really like is to have Jordy have some involvement. Because like Troy, he was a character that was pretty underserved on Next Gen. And he's a great actor. And, and he, he deserves to have a story that, that gives his character a proper send-off. Yep, I'm on board for that. Excellent. Let's start writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, well, I don't want to end it on, like, such a downer. I feel like we did a lot of whining. Um, it's important to note that, again, it was wonderful to see Jean-Luc Picard back. It was wonderful to see the crew back. Like, it was wonderful to be a part of that world again. Um, wasn't a 10 out of 10, but I never like, I never checked my watch or played with my phone while it was on. Like, it was a good show. It is not the best show on television, but it was absolutely worth it. And if you're looking for that, you know, that fix that you got from Next Generation or the Next Generation movies or wherever it was when you started, I, I think this uh, it's, it's, this is tasty. It is, a, it is a tasty cocktail of some nostalgia and some new things. Eh, some cool space battles, I suppose. And, and Captain Riker at the end looking awesome. Yes. And I, that, I was wondering if, if this was a generic sci-fi show, would I have enjoyed that as much? And I don't know that I would have. But because it was Jonathan Frakes and because it was Riker, I was so on board for that scene and him being the badass at the end in charge of the ship. Yeah, absolutely. So, Star Trek Picard, according to Geek Top 5. Um, if you've got questions and comments or uh, you know, basically things that you are upset about us for saying, um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Graham, how can people get a hold of us? Well, the best way would be at our email address, geektop5 at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at geektop5, and we're on facebook.com slash geektop5. You can also, if you're not interested in using iTunes or some of these other podcatchers that are out there, we are now on Stitcher and on Spotify. Hey, okay, lots of different ways to get us to you and to get us to your friends. Be sure to pass the word <laughs> around. I'm definitely looking forward to engaging more folks in Star Trek Picard banter. Not sure if it came through in this episode. We've been doing it for a long time, and we'll be doing it for time to for you know for a long time in the future. And would love to have you be a part of it. Um, until then, and until our next episode, a special thanks go out to Jamie Ream, the guy behind our theme song. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top Five. We'll be back next week, so stay tuned. We'll talk to you then.